glasses are all fogged up. Anybody else trying to sing with a mask on? I appreciate you guys working with the restrictions we're under. Um, what would you say if a coworker or a friend came up to you and they said, why are you a Christian? And why are you a Christian? Why do you go to church? If you're like me, the answer is so complex and so personal, it'd be hard to try to come up with some words on the spot that would be compelling and make sense and really help explain to them why I am what I am. Now, I hope that my coworkers and my neighbors and my friends become followers of Jesus. I think the life of Christ is the best life any human being can actually live. But many times, I don't have good answers for when somebody asks me, like, why are you a Christian? Like, why would you be that? Like, why would anybody want to be that? If I don't have good answers, as much as I want my friends and neighbors and coworkers to be Christians, they probably won't become Christians unless I find some good answers to their questions. So today we're kicking off a new series. I gotta remember there's a drum behind me and my natural tendency is to always step back. Um, so maybe that'll just offset some of the better points I'll just hit against the drum. Um, yeah, okay, man, my jokes are already bombing. This is what happens when you preach to a wall for three months. You forget how to communicate to people. So we're kicking off a new series today about why am I a Christian? It's about the Christian faith. It's about how do we have good answers about our faith so that when people ask their questions, we actually know what to say. Now, 50 years ago in America, nobody was asking this question. Nobody was like, why are you a Christian? Ugh, like, why would you want to be that? In fact, most people at least said they were Christians or affirmed some type of Christianity. And so people didn't wonder why you were Christians. They might ask, why are you a Protestant? Or why are you a Catholic? But nobody was really asking, why are you a Christian? Because it was just normal in our culture and society. They would never ask. Because being a Christian wasn't strange 50 years ago. It was the norm. Everybody expected it. But many churches today are still operating like our culture is still uh, living 50 years ago. Instead of today. They assume culture is still generally Christian and asking the same questions. But they're not. If you work any type of job or you live in any type of modern community in our culture, you recognize nobody's like, oh, I just assume that you're a Christian because we're all Christian. Nobody thinks that. If they hear that you're a Christian, if they hear you're going to church, they're like, why? Why would you waste time? Like, why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. Today being a Christian is not the norm. It's not cool. It's not looked up to like, oh yeah, everybody does that. Announcing you're a Christian often leads to criticism. For confusion. There's times I'm hanging out with people, we're playing some board games or something, and they hear like, oh, he's a Christian? They're like, oh, he's probably going to think things about me. He's probably going to say things about me. He's probably going to do this or do that. Then they hear I'm a pastor and they're like, just get out of our house. You know, like, I don't want you here. And so it's not cool to be a Christian. I think that in today's culture, it's more important than ever that our reasons for being a Christian our reasons for being a church, our reasons for going to church need to be more clear, concise, and reasonable than ever before. We have to really have good reasons about why we are what we are and why we do what we do. And if they're not good reasons, that probably means something will happen in your life and you'll walk away. And if there's not good reasons, people far away from God won't walk close to him. 
It's more important than ever that we have a compelling reason to exist as a church, and I have a compelling answer for why I am a Christian. Now, there's a pastor I know in Philly, and he wrote a book called Ask Me Why I'm Not in Church. Now, I love the premise of the book. They skip, he suggests skipping a Sunday service and going out to serve in the community. Man, that's our heartbeat here at Horizon, right? We believe the church serving the community is more important than the church service, which is good because we haven't had a church service in a long time, right? But we were still doing things to try to serve our neighbors. But the title of the book, I think, misses something. Because nobody in our culture, nobody in the city of Philadelphia is like, I wonder why they're not in church. As I was driving in today, there are all these people out walking and biking and pushing strollers and going to farmer's markets. And none of them were like, I wonder why he's not in church. Like, it just doesn't even dawn to them. It's not even something that they think about. No one is asking why someone isn't in church. You know what people are asking? Why would that person go to church? Why would you go to church? Like, it's Sunday. You could sleep in. You could go hang out with your friends. You could go to brunch. Come on, have we got any brunch fans? Like, why would you go to church? That's what people think is strange. No one thinks it's strange today if you don't attend church. They think it's strange if you do attend church. And so we need a compelling answer about why we attend church. So I want this series to help you and I develop good, reasonable answers to why you attend church, why you're exploring the Christian faith, why you might be interested in it, why maybe this church made you curious about the Christian faith, I want to give us the words to make a compelling case for Christianity to our friends and neighbors and family. I want to make a case so compelling that it might sway people far away from God to explore our faith. Now, if you're exploring Christianity, if you're like, man, I'm not a Christian, I'm just here to hang out, you guys seem pretty cool. I hope this is a good overview about what we're actually about, and maybe you have some better understanding of what Christianity actually is. Because sometimes people say something and I'm like, Jesus never would have said that. Or sometimes people do something and I'm like, Jesus never would have done that. So the first question we have to tackle, and this is the question that we're going to tackle today, is what is a Christian? If we're going to talk about why am I a Christian, if I'm going to give you a compelling reason, first of all, we have to talk about what is a Christian. Now, when Darby and I first moved here five years ago, June 1st was our five-year mark of being in the Philadelphia area here. And uh, yeah, you're leaving. You can't clap for Philadelphia. You're going to North Carolina. Um, thanks for the clap. So I, this is my last time to call you out, Scotty, so I got to do it, you know. Um, but it's been five years. And we spent that first year um, training uh, training with some people who had planted churches on how to plant churches. And then we spent a year developing a core team. Then a year getting services, doing some preview services once a month. And then finally, we just celebrated during quarantine, we did our two years of services as a church. And so, awesome. That's great. But when we first moved here, we started walking around the streets of Bryn Mawr. We rented an apartment over in Bryn Mawr. And people would meet us. They're like, where are you from? We're like, we moved up from Tennessee. We're here to start a church. We're like, oh, what kind of church? I'm like, a Christian church. They're like, we have a Catholic church. I was like, no, 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 no. They're like, I'm a Christian. I'm going to start a Christian through like a Catholic you're Catholic, like me. You said Christian. Christianity equals Catholic. And I realized that just because somebody said Christian, they weren't always saying the same thing that I thought. There's sometimes that people stand up and they say, I'm a Christian, and they do something. And I'm like, that's, that's, that a Christian should not do that, you know? Or they'll stand up and they'll say, as a Christian, and they'll say something, and I think, that's the complete opposite of what Christian 
means. Just because people are using the same word doesn't mean they're saying the same thing. And if we're going to have a compelling, reasonable argument about why we're Christians, why the church should exist, we have to figure out what this word means. Now, the first followers of Jesus were not called Christians. What were they called? They were called disciples, right? The people who followed Jesus around, he didn't say, all you Christians. He said, disciples, you're my disciples. Now, when the disciples, um, the disciples were apprentices of Jesus's way of life. That's what disciple means, an apprentice of a way of life. Now, when the movement of Jesus after his resurrection really started growing and they started meeting together on Sundays, just like we are, they did not call it Christianity. They called it followers of the way. Have you ever even heard that? Some of you have. But for most of you, you're like, what? Like, I've never heard Christianity called followers of the way. But I'm just going to real quickly run over some verses. Acts chapter 9. Um, here, Saul, who eventually becomes Paul and writes much of the New Testament, he's, uh, he's threatening and arresting and imprisoning followers of the way, any belonging to the way, both men and women. He bound them and brought them to Jerusalem in Acts chapter 19. But there were some becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people. Acts 22, I persecuted this way to the death. Paul speaking, Acts 24, but I admit to you, I worship the God of my ancestors according to the way, which some are calling a sect of Judaism. Acts 24, but Felix, having a more exact knowledge about the way, put them off. And so the early followers of Jesus were called disciples, and as they started to gather together in churches, they weren't like, look at our Christianity. They said, we're followers of the way. The way, the way of what? Christianity is not a belief system, it's a way of life. The early church were called followers of the way because they followed the way Jesus lived and loved. Disciples are students, apprentices of the way that Jesus lived and loved, how he treated people, how he interacted with people. They became students of his way of life. And what they called their beliefs, what they called their faith system was not Christianity, they called it the way. Because we're following the way Jesus lived and loved. Now, the Enlightenment, a little bit of a history lesson. I know you guys are like, yes, we're finally back in service. I hope Alex gives us a history lesson. Exciting times, right? The Enlightenment greatly impacted the West and the way we think about things. So you think of Europe and you think of America. I just watched Hamilton um, on July 4th. It was, I felt like a good time to watch Hamilton. It's on Disney Plus, so I didn't have to pay thousands of dollars for tickets. And, uh, Hamilton, they're talking about how do we form this nation, and they're using all this um, thinking about freedom and justice and equality that grew out of the Enlightenment. It's a period from the 16 and 1700s in which ideas about God, nature, humanity, and reason were stimulated into a collective worldview that still defines the Western world and how we think about reality. Now, you say, okay, Alex, why do I care about the Enlightenment? Because as Westerners, we think about things very differently than the people who wrote the Bible did. They're Eastern thinkers. They're from the Middle East. They're, they wrote Jewish meditation and mystery literature, and we come at it as Westerners. The Enlightenment changed the word believe into something very different than what the first century Jewish followers of Jesus said. In Enlightenment, we say that believe means I'm a mentally assenting to a truth that I think is a constant. I'm saying, I think there's something that's true. 
I think that's real. I think Jesus really lived, he really died. I believe it. But to the Jewish first century believers who called themselves disciples, belief was something you did with your hands, not just your head. You didn't really believe something or say you really believed something until you practiced it. We've created a whole branch of Christianity in the West that says, I believe there was a person named Jesus. I believe he lived and he died and he came back to life. I believe what he taught is good advice. I don't have to follow it. I'm a Christian. But that never would have flown in the first century. If we walked into a gathering of the followers of the way and we said, I believe Jesus was real and he died and came back to life. I believe everything he said was true, but I don't follow any of it. I don't want to do it. That sounds hard. They would say, you don't believe it then. You don't believe it until you practice it. Jesus makes it pretty clear that the benchmark was not becoming a Christian by signing off on a doctrinal belief system. It was becoming a disciple by submitting that he had the authority to define how I should live and how you should live, how I should love and how you should love in your life. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, famous passage where Jesus is about to leave the earth and he gives his commission to his followers. He says, go everywhere and make Christians. Oh no, sorry, he doesn't say that. He says, go everywhere and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here's what you should do. Here's how you make a disciple. Teaching them to obey everything I taught you. Jesus said, don't make them believe it. Make them practice it. Make them obey it. John 14, 15, Jesus told his followers, if you love me, you'll obey my teachings. But today we've created a whole branch of Christianity that says, I love Jesus, but I don't obey his teachings. And Jesus said, you can't love me if you don't obey my teachings. So where did this term Christian come from? You say, okay, Alex, so should I be called a follower of the way or a disciple? I like to use the term disciple. I think it's uh, uh, a little bit better because Christian has become uh, become has started to mean so many different things where did the term christian come from what came from our bibles acts chapter 11 verses 25 through 26 barnabas went to tarsus to search for saul saul who we had read before was persecuting the church he was like i'm a good jew these are bad jews who are following jesus i'm going to imprison them and beat them until they admit that jesus was not god but then Saul is on a journey to imprison Christians and he has this vision of Jesus and everything changes in his life. And he spends the next few years studying the Old Testament, trying to figure out like, is Jesus really the Messiah, this promised person who's going to restore the relationship between God and man? And now it's been a few years of that. And so Barnabas goes to Tarsus to search for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. With this new church was being formed. And for a whole year they met with the church and they taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. It's at Antioch that people start calling the disciples of Jesus Christ Christians. The church didn't start calling themselves that. The culture, the city did. Now, Antioch. Where in the world is Antioch? Antioch was a uh, is in modern-day Turkey, between Turkey and Syria, and it was one of the most important cities in the eastern part of the Roman Empire. Antioch is like the big city of the eastern part of the Roman Empire. A sea trading route and a land trading route both met in Antioch, and so merchants were rich here. 
This was a place where there was a lot of trade, there was a lot of money, it was a rich, prosperous, growing city. The city sat on land stretching over a thousand acres, which makes it a huge city in the ancient world. You can still go to the ruins in ancient Tur in Turkey today. The ancient ruins of Antioch still exist. This is not a made up place, this is a real place at a real point in time. It was here in Antioch at the teachings of Jesus clashed with the rich Roman culture that followers of the way were first called Christians. We have to understand the context here to get why they were called Christians. So you have a rich Roman city, pagan, obsessed with power and influence and money and riches, and there's these followers of Jesus who come in and say things like, we think we should love our enemies. If someone takes my coat, I feel like I should also give them my, my robe. If someone asks me something, I should give it and require nothing back. I should love my enemies instead of hate them. The term Christian that the culture called the followers of the way, called the disciples here, was not some kind of proud acknowledgement. They're like, you Christians, what a great job. Christian was a religious slur, not a title. The word Christian means little Christ, or in other words, if you want to think about it in Roman culture, it was like this, baby Jesus. That's essentially what they were saying to it. They were making fun of them when they called them Christian. It's an insult from the Roman culture who thought it madness to model your life on the teachings of a dead pauper who had no power, who had no money, who had no influence, who was executed by the Roman government and in their mind was a worthless person to follow. The Roman culture thought you should follow someone powerful, someone strong, someone with money, someone with influence. To follow a dead pauper was ridiculous. The Roman culture despised the teachings of Jesus, and so they mocked the followers of Jesus who lived his way. They said, look, if you live like Jesus, you're going to end up like Jesus, dead on a cross. What a stupid way to live, you baby Jesus. You're acting like infants. You're acting like your, your Savior who died. What a stupid way to act. Um, I think we have a picture up here of some graffiti. This is one of the world's first known acts of graffiti. Uh, it was found in Rome when they were re removing a wall in Rome. It's called the Altmenos Graffito. Um, and they think it's from about 200 AD. So this is about 170 years after Jesus. This was carved onto a wall, and it appears to be some friends of this guy named Alex, who was a follower of Jesus, and they were making fun of him. So if you can look at the picture here, it's a crude drawing of a cross with a person on the cross with a donkey head. Because only a fool would follow Jesus. Because Jesus was a fool to the Roman culture. And here's what they say underneath. They say, Alex Menos worships his God. A fool God. And only a fool would worship a fool God. That's what the Roman culture thought about people who followed Jesus. Disciples of Jesus were called baby Jesus because they rejected power and wealth and revenge just like Jesus had taught. Just like Jesus told his followers to obey when he taught in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, this is how you should live in the world if you're my follower, if you're my disciple. To the Romans, to follow a crucified pacifist was a madness worthy of derision. People were making fun of you. People were mocking you. People were calling you baby Jesus. So you say, okay, Alex, what does all this matter? 
I think it's important to know that the church didn't start out in a culture that was like, these are good ideas. These guys are really smart. These guys are going to make our society better. The church started out in a culture that did not understand it and was openly hostile to it. To the Romans, power, money, and influence were worthy of honor and respect. Humility and sacrifice, the benchmarks of the Christian faith, were things that were shameful. Loving your enemies was a sign of weakness. Destroying your enemies, that's Roman strength. That's what you should get excited about. See, the church was a counter-cultural community that changed the world. Not because the culture looked like them, but because the culture didn't look like them. The Roman Empire, with all of its military and all of its wealth and all of its education and technology, it couldn't stop the self-sacrificial love of the early church. Within 300 years, the Roman Emperor converted to Christianity. So 100 years after that graffiti, where people are mocking Christians, calling them baby Jesus and drawing pictures of a donkey on a cross and saying only a fool would worship a fool God. A hundred years later, the emperor himself converts to Christianity. How did the church do that? How did this faith of Jesus, this man who had no power or influence, who died on a cross executed, how did he change everything? I believe the church always flourishes in anti-Christian cultures. The teachings of Jesus thrive in a culture that asks, why would anyone be a Christian? Why would anyone be a disciple? I think a lot of times churches long for the days long ago when no one asked, why are you a Christian? Because everyone just assumed you were. But the church is actually at its strongest in a culture where people say, why would you go to church? Why would you be a disciple of Jesus? What a wasted life. Why would you do that? When the culture is asking why, we're in a prime position to give them a compelling reason about why Jesus is good and can change everything about their lives. We shouldn't bemoan the fact that America is no longer culturally Christian. They were Christians, not disciples. And what does Jesus want? He wants disciples. They settled for a mental moral map where they mentally assented to a belief instead of becoming apprentices of Jesus' way of life. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor during a Nazi Germany, and he opposed the Nazis, and uh, he actually hid Jewish people while they were taking um, Jews to concentration camps, and he fought against the Nazi party. He refused to align his church. Um, they asked all the churches to align with the Nazi party, and most did. He refused to align his so I love reading about his writings in the midst of this. One of the things Diedrich Bonhoeffer said is, Christianity without discipleship is Christianity without Christ. In other words, Christianity without Christ, you're just left with insanity. And yet that's exactly the Christianity that most Westerners know. A Christianity without discipleship, without Christ. See, the church is not strongest when it is in power, all the power and the might of the Roman Empire was overthrown by the power of the Holy Spirit, empowering ordinary, everyday, uneducated people like you and me to answer a simple question. If being a Christian is going to get you ridiculed, if being a Christian is going to get you persecuted, if being a Christian is going to get you killed, why are you a Christian? 
If we can come up with a compelling answer to that statement, we can change everything about our culture. And so that's why we're having this series. A Christian should be a disciple. Now in our culture, as I said, we've used the Christian to define someone who practices the Christian religion. But Jesus is always looking for disciples. People who have become students of his way of life, the way that he lived in love. Not just people who say, can I go to church? I give some money. I believe this. But people who actually behave like they believe this. Not just people who say they believe things, but people who behave like they believe things. Now, maybe you're just checking out Christianity. Maybe you're just curious about it. Maybe you just ran into us and got to know us. But I find that one of the biggest barriers that people have about the Christian faith is things that people have done in the name of Christianity that look nothing like Jesus Christ. Do you understand how not everyone who says they are a Christian is actually a disciple, a student of the way that Jesus lived and loved? Not everything that someone does in the name of Christianity actually reflects Jesus Christ. Not everyone who claims to be a Christian actually reflects Jesus. So, don't, uh, Gandhi famously said, man, I love your Christ, but I don't care for your Christian. Right? I think that we have a lot of Christians practicing religion who aren't actually disciples or students of Jesus' way of life. So I think naturally our final question has to be this. Are you a Christian? Have you said, I believe that. Yeah, that's good. I do some religious practices. Or are you a disciple? Have you become a student of Jesus' way of life? Have you said, Jesus, you're my king. You get to tell me how to live in love. I don't get to define how to live and love my life. Because I think you live the greatest human life of anyone who's ever lived. And I want to become a student of your way of life. Have you mentally assented to a belief system? Or have you become a student of the way that Jesus lived Perhaps the next time someone asks you or asks me why we're a Christian, you can answer something like this. Well, I'm really not a Christian. I'm a disciple. I'm a student of the way that Jesus lived and loved. And I'd love to tell you about why I think it's a compelling and reasonable way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming and living and dying and coming back to life again. We'd be hopeless and lost without you putting an end to sin and death on the cross. But because of your death, we can live your life. Lord, forgive me for so often misrepresenting Christ because I think, well, I mentally assent. I mentally agree that this is true, but I don't actually practice it. You're looking for disciples, not for Christians. You're looking for followers of your way of life, not just religious people. God, I pray that you would help us to lean in close, to study your life, to look at your teachings on the Sermon of the Mount, and recognize that a countercultural church that loves their neighbor and loves their enemy can change every part of this globe through the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray all these things like believe Jesus Christ. Amen.